If you're tired of bad news, if you need some positivity, if you want to support small businesses, then welcome to Happy Grateful Blessed with Kaysville's own mayor, Tammy Tran. Here, you'll get to see the best of humanity from within Utah's hidden gem, Kaysville City. Every month, you'll discover small businesses, hear unique and incredible stories, and understand the difference you make in this wonderful city. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to this podcast so that you'll never miss a chance to find a new business to support and learn what makes a city like this one work as well as it does. So join us as we explore Happy Grateful Blessed with Tammy Tran. I'm here today with Ben McAdams. Ben, thank you for being here. Mayor, so great to be with you. You are fantastic. I really appreciate the opportunity you gave us to meet with you, oh gosh, a couple months ago when I was running. You were so kind. Well, I was so flattered that you'd reach out. Like, I just have such a soft spot in my heart for for mayors. And, uh, <laughs> you know, local government is really where it's at. If you want to have a positive impact in your community, it's it's local government. It's It hasn't really been tainted by the partisanship and the rancor and the dysfunction that we see in Washington. Local government is the place to sure. be. And so, you know, I was so flattered that you reached out. And anybody who is interested in being on a city council or mayor, I just am so grateful for people who are willing to step up and serve and, and loved loved our conversation. Well, thank you. It was really fun. I'm glad Paul was there and my husband was there. It was just a yeah, fun conversation. Yeah, yeah. Paul so- is a friend of our mutual friend. I mm-hmm. went to high school with Paul. I went to Viewmont High here in Davis County. And yeah. Paul was one of my good buddies from high school. So we have that mutual connection. It is. It's great. And Tammy, my sister-in-law. Yes. Yeah. Also knew you in high school. So. Yeah. Anyway, it's a small world and Davis County is even an even smaller world. So yeah. it's kind of fun to circle back. Well, thank you. I really wanted to talk to you because I am a new mayor. I'm seven months in. I uh, wanted to get some advice and uh, lessons learned. I'll tell you what I've learned so far. So far, I've learned uh, that mayors don't have a lot of power. <laughs> You know, because yeah. people, they'll, they'll ask me for random things. Hey, uh, we want to put banners up over a UDOT road. Tell us we can. Yeah. Or, hey, we want to turn our water on and we realize that we're in a drought, but we've got a lot of vegetation and we've got a big garden. And so, you know, things like that right. where I really can't control that and I don't have any influence over it. So I get a lot of fun requests, but I'm really realizing that it's different serving as a council member versus serving as mayor. One of the things that I loved as mayor is you get to go to ribbon cuttings. A new business is opening and you're there, or there's a trail that is open and you get to go and celebrate the opening of this new trail. And inevitably somebody comes up and they'll ask me, so so what did you do to help this business open? I'd be like, nothing. I just showed up to cut the ribbon. And so my joke was with my staff, as I would say, as a mayor, I get credit for so many things I had nothing to do with. But on the flip side, I get blamed for so many things that I also had nothing Thing to do with. And that's, that's kind true. of the job of mayor is to, you know, nobody wants to hear, um, that's not my job. So you yeah. listen, you try and help solve problems, help your constituents the best way you can. You're right that you don't really have a lot of power to just wave a magic wand and do things. Right. And you're going to get, you know, you're going to get credit. Enjoy the times where you get credit that you don't deserve because more often than not, you're going to get blamed for things that you don't deserve. That's so true. But one of the things that I think about mayor, the, the, the strongest power you have is the power to convene. So you can't just wave a magic wand and say it shall be this way or it shall not be that way. But you can bring together businesses and faith groups and community members and say, hey, we got to do something about this challenge that we're facing as a community. And when the mayor calls and asks people to come to a meeting to talk about it, they'll come. And you can just get the right people around the table who then you don't have the power to solve a problem, but you get the right minds, the right stakeholders at the table, um, magical things happen and people can solve their own problems, but you can bring them together. Well, and that's the key. You're right. Bringing people together, people solving their own problems, just yeah. giving them a platform and an opportunity that's where exactly they maybe right. wouldn't reach out to each other. That, that's been fun. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's really, that's why I ran. My brother-in-law was telling me, why would you want to do that? You're on city council. Yeah. People care what you think. And no you, one cares and, about the mayor, <laughs> <laughs> you know, because I don't have a vote. Right. But, but yeah. it is fun being able to. You can do a lot, but it's just empowering other people to do what they need to do. And that's, once you, it took me a little while, but once I realized that I had that power as mayor, it wasn't a governmental power. It's not a law. It's not a magical power. But, but once you realize that, that that is something that the title gives you, you can do a lot of things. It's true. And along with the ribbon cuttings and the other opportunities just to, you yeah. know, rah-rah the community and be a good advocate for it. Get out and celebrate the amazing things that are happening in the community. It's why, again, like I said, I love local government. Of all the positions that I've served in, 
local government was my favorite. You've served in a lot of positions. I have. You have. I, yeah. I pulled up your wiki just to make sure that I didn't miss anything. I wanted to ask you, so one of the things that's been interesting to me as, you know, as I have this opportunity to serve as mayor, I want to be able to engage state leaders, county leaders, county commissioners, and um, federal leaders, our congressional yeah. leaders. And I'm not and I, I'm still kind of learning what to ask for and whatnot, and I've got good guidance from our city. But also, I just kind of wanted to ask you, as a congressperson, um, when a mayor comes to you and asks for something, how is the best way to navigate that? Well, I mean, yeah, I, I, you know, of course, when a mayor came to me as a member of Congress, that is one, that's one of the most important people who's going to come to my office, right? And so we would make sure to always kind of roll out the red carpet, make sure that mayor knew that they were somebody who was important. But Washington's a tricky place. If you haven't noticed, mm. not a lot is getting done in there. It is noticed. completely broken and dysfunctional. So I think it's important to have a good relationship with your member of Congress. One of the things that I always felt was helpful when I was a member of Congress is if, you know, you can bring me a, a, a challenge that you're facing, know that, you know, any good member of Congress is going to want to help their mayor. But um, if you can also bring some ideas about how to solve it, right? So, you know, mm -hmm. we're looking for a solution to this transportation issue. And we've talked to the Federal Highway Administration or, you know, and, we, and here's what we've learned in that. And you can make it so that, you know, they know that I need to weigh in okay. with the highway administrator and here's what we can do. And, you know, the more you can make it streamlined like that, it's going to be a lot helpful. They'll appreciate that for sure. And you know, like well, like we said, mayors don't have a lot of power. Um, members of Congress, they have also important titles, but not a lot of power in a time where it's just broken. It, you know? it is. Well, and that's what's so frustrating. And that is why I like serving at a local right, level, right. because someone can come and say, hey, this ordinance seems messed up. You know, can you and, tweak it? And, and we you can, can. Tweak, fix it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we can fix it. And yeah. that's been really fun. Yeah. I've, I really appreciated the opportunity to be part of that process, even though I don't necessarily, like you said, get yeah. to make the decision. Well, and your council members, it doesn't matter if they're a Republican or a Democrat. It's, it's just, do they have a good idea that's going to make our community better or not? And um, that's why I think local government still is working. And, you know, in the, where Washington is really just abdicating their responsibility, it's falling back on our mayors to, to solve our problems. It is, and I do think that that's where most of the control should stay. I do, I at, do too. At a local I do too. Yeah. Because we know our communities, and we know our residents, and that's right. we live here. That's right. I was going to ask you about the a, a different form of government. So here in Davis County, there were discussions, especially during the primary, about taking our three county commissioners, who are full-time, making those positions part-time, and expanding it to a five-member commission plus a mayor, potentially. Yeah. And Salt Lake County's form of government mm -hmm. is like that, right? Yeah. Yeah. We have nine council members and the mayor. So oh, Salt Lake nine, County, okay. yeah, Salt Lake County made that switch before I was mayor, about eight years before I was mayor. They, it was on the ballot and they voted to change to the a mayor council form of government. Um, you know, and the, the uh, essentially, I, I like to explain it this way. So what you've got right now in Davis County and places that have the three county commissioner model, your commissioners are Think back to high school civics, right? Commissioners are the executive branch and, and. the legislative branch. Mm -hmm. So they will meet in commission meeting. They'll vote on changing those ordinances, on appropriating the money, on are you going to spend it on roads? Are you going to spend it on jail? Or where are you going to spend your, your budget? And then they'll go out and then they'll be the department heads. They'll be running the departments. The road crew works for them and that. So you have both, that's the executive branch, you know, running the road crew, being in charge of the road crew mm -hmm. or the jail reporting back to that person, but also you're the legislative branch that sets the policies in that. I think it works in in smaller jurisdictions where, you know, you, you've got to, you got to, you're spread kind of, you, you want to, what am I saying? Um, it works in, I think, smaller jurisdictions, but at least in Salt Lake County, it would have been 2000. Two, 2004 that they made the change. Salt Lake County just got to the point that their population had grown to such an extent the budget was large enough. Mm -hmm. Oh, that, it was, that, wasn't it? Yeah, that's a, that's a lot of power mm -hmm. to put in the hands. of. So if you do the math, you put a lot of power, a lot of money under the control of three people. Mm -hmm. And really, you only need a majority. So it's two people. Two people can spend hundreds of millions of dollars. So in Salt Lake County, I think people just said, oh my goodness, that is a lot 
of power Mm -hmm. consolidated in the hands of two people, we need some checks and balances. And so they opted to separate the executive branch and legislative branch. They created the mayor and the council, the mayor being, of course, the executive branch, Mm -hmm. the uh, the council being the legislative branch. And and they can be named different things. In Salt Lake County, it's a mayor and other places around. So this happens as as areas grow and Mm -hmm. you get more power and more money being administered by county government. I think it's in Seattle. They call it the county executive instead of mayor. Um, so there are different names that work. Salt Lake County settled on mayor. I think um, Cache County has this separation of powers form of government. I forget what they call their executive. It might just be executive. Okay. Um, but I think it made sense in Salt Lake County. I, I don't know that I can say for Davis County what makes sense, but that's what you should be thinking about is right. um, it, what uh, what amount of power are we asking our commissioners to hold mm-hmm. and and do we need checks and balances on that are we still comfortable with it you know are we still small enough and comfortable that we can get by with a commission form of government i, sh- I would say and i think you know this but i for the people who are listening i grew up in davis county mm-hmm. right? right so i actually grew up in west bountiful my backyard when i was growing up was farmland from my house all the way out to the great salt lake Beautiful um, views. it was amazing mm-hmm. views and a lot of mosquitoes but we loved it um yeah. it's davis county's changed a lot uh, since i grew up here and, um, you know, so th- I think Davis County residents are asking the right questions. There are good arguments on both sides, but those are the questions that should be asked. I appreciate you explaining that because, honestly, prior to becoming mayor here in Keysville, I didn't understand yeah. the differences. So I'd hear about the Salt Lake County mayor and then the Salt Lake City yeah. mayor, and I was yeah. so confused. Yeah. And so it's just in- recently, actually, that I understand how it was separated. Um, there have been discussions about it now. On one hand, I think a lot of people say, no, we don't want big government. Yeah. And it will just continue to grow if we add more people. On the other hand, there's um, a push to say, okay, well, maybe we'll make them part-time. Yeah. You know, talking to one of the commissioners who said, no, it needs to be full-time. And I do understand that as well. Because even as mayor, so we we have a weak mayoral system in Kaysville. Yeah. Meaning that I don't have veto power or right. voting power. But, and it's really considered part-time. Mm-hmm. But it's a full-time job. It's really it busy. Is, yeah. So. Yeah, I think, I mean, those are all the right factors to consider. You know, I always got that question, like, what's the difference between, why do we have two mayors, right? Mm-hmm. Do you have a city mayor and a county mayor? And the reality is, it, I, I sometimes wonder if we would have been better off if we had given them different names. Because it's confusing. Yeah, because it's confusing to the person who's not following it minute by minute. Um, but, you know, the the jobs are very different. The responsibilities are very different amongst the two. And um you know, but I think those are the right questions. You do want a small government. The the you want to spend as little tax dollars as possible going into overhead, um, and just you know right. salaries and that. But mm-hmm. but and you also want and assi- yeah all of that. But you want to have a government that works, right? Mm-hmm. Nothing can be more frustrating. And actually, you wasting tax dollars on governments that inefficient and not administered properly. So you I think you want to have an administration and government that is big enough to do the job that you're asking them to do, and not wasting not wasting tax dollars by being too small but not wasting tax dollars by being too big. And I think I that's a, you know, as I said, I'm not close enough to Davis County right now. It's been it's been a little while since I lived here, mm-hmm. but um, you're asking all the right questions. And that's the debate that you should be having and, and kind of got to figure out what's the right approach, what's big enough for who you are today mm-hmm. and small enough that you're nimble and you're, you're doing the most with your precious tax dollars and not wasting them. Well, and the other question I would have for you is just how do we, as, as local mayors, uh, work with the county? I mean, we have a good relationship with all of our county commissioners. Great friendships are great people. Good. But I mean, how do I go to them and say, okay, look, I really need this money? You know, because you say everyone's asking for money. Right. And they'll prioritize programs. But how is that prioritization done at the county level? Is there a I mean, I realize that they the bigger needs are first and regional um, benefits, and they take those types of things into consideration. But is it really just a matter of continually asking? <laughs> is it kind of the squeaky wheel gets the grease? Yeah, I mean, certainly, like, that's part of the process, right? Just like a regular citizen comes to their council mm-hmm. and says, here's what we want to spend. I think okay. that's part of it. I always appreciated when I was Salt Lake County mayor, uh, um, contextualizing, giving the right vision. So I did a lot of work, um, We and we still have in, in Salt Lake County challenges as it relates to homelessness, right? Yes, and, you do. Um, and the tricky thing there was cities are responsible for law enforcement. Um, they're responsible for things like jaywalking. Or, you know, the county is actually responsible for mental health, the jail, mm-hmm. and those kind of go hand in hand, right? That um, it was, I think we did a study and 70% of the people in the Salt Lake County jail had mental health 
challenges. And we kind of figured out that, well, we could probably save money if we got people into a treatment program uh, and a behavioral health and mental health treatment in, instead of jail. Jail was expensive and actually just made the problem worse, that maybe we could get them into treatment. But what we realized is you couldn't separate those two, really. You couldn't have law enforcement doing one thing and the county behavioral health doing something different. They had to work together, right? right. And so when it came to funding, when we started saying, how is county spending money going to stretch city dollars further and city dollars stretch county dollars further because we're working together uh, you know, in kind of an interwoven fabric that's help, helpful. And the same thing goes whether you're looking at transportation funding or trail funding, but how can you support each other to make your dollar stretch further rather than duplicating or um, or completely just not overlapping at all? But but and, and so I think that was always one of the strongest things okay. that a city mayor could do when they came to me is show how um, if I prioritize their funding request, it could align and help us to do more. You know, the sum of the I see. Uh, the whole was greater mm-hmm. than the sum of the parts type approach. Right. That makes a lot of sense. And maybe teaming with other con- other cities. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. To say, hey, right? we're going to work on this project together. And- so Salt Lake County had like our zoo arts and parks, right? The, mm-hmm. um, there's a quarter of a penny sales tax mm-hmm. that funds. We just the, passed that. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So it funded zoos. It funded trails. Um, it helped to fund some of our arts organizations and that. And if somebody came in and said, look, I did the math and we are five percent of the county population so therefore we demand five percent of the budget you know that's that's one way to do it is to break it out into strict formula but if i had three cities come and say we need a performing arts venue somewhere in this section of the valley Mm -hmm. um and and here's our approach and it was more collaborative because you know not every not every city needs to have a performing arts venue yeah and so if they kind of had more of a collaborative approach and said we want it for our our residents not necessarily it has to be on the left side of the line or the right side of the line it has to be in city a or city b but it was like we kind of want it in this region and a more collaborative approach we actually found ways to to do that and, and bump those priorities to the top when it was a a request coming from multiple cities. It was kind cities. of a greater good approach, right? Oh, that's good. That's really good to know. Yeah. And to kind of understand the the, the process behind it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, there's so much to learn. Yeah. There's so much to learn. And it's great. I'm grateful for a good city manager and that's That's so important too. And the, the other thing I would say is just always be... You know, I had to make some hard decisions. You sometimes, and as mayor, you have to do that. You're mm-hmm. gonna, you can't make everybody happy. You know, my um, wife would always say, if you want to make people happy, you should be selling ice cream, not <laughs> politics, <laughs> so right? Because any decision you make, you're gonna upset some people. Um, but you're some when you're talking to a mayor or you know a state legislator and realize that they make a decision that you may not like. Most people, I would say, Republicans and Democrats are are. They're bad people in politics. Let's acknowledge that. But <laughs> sure. I think most people are are just trying to do it for because they love our community. They love mm-hmm. our state. <laughs> they may disagree about how to make it better, but everybody's trying to make it better. And um, and if somebody disappoints you, you know, just understand that they you can't make people happy all the time. Realize you're going to have to work with them on the next issue. And, and uh, that's the key. Yeah, those relationships matter. They do. And they going do forward. Yeah. yeah, let them off easy, kind of. Yeah, and we just, just understand that they're human mm-hmm. beings. They're trying to do the best they can, and get a different opinion. It's true. It's and and that's the key, I think, to working with people and to knowing. I was going to ask you about um, politics a little bit. Okay. <laughs> so what? I, and and maybe I'm naive, but from my perspective, if you have a, um, I don't know. I I I do think that the two party system works, and and I believe that there's a you know up opportunities for other people as well. But when you get back to Congress, if you're not a member of a certain party, doesn't isn't that a disadvantage in, in terms of representing your state or does it not really matter when you get there? Because I've heard the committees are super important. And if you're not affiliated with one or the other party, then you're not appointed to those committees. Is that really how it works? Well, I, and I, first of all, I would say I'm, I'm not sure the two-party system does work. Okay. It's, I've seen like up close and personal in well, D.C., yeah, how completely know, broken okay. it is, you know? But And and I think maybe what you're alluding to that I'm happy to talk about is, so Evan McMullen is a candidate right now who's running as an independent, right? Mm-hmm. And has pledged that he would not affiliate with either the Democratic Party or the Republican Party. Right. And so some people have criticized that. To, and I'm actually just in, in full transparency, I'm supporting Evan McMullen okay. running as an independent. Okay. I'm, I think people probably know this. I'm a Democrat. Yeah, I know. Um, I, kind I, of yes. a, a centrist Democrat. So it meant I was often at odds with my own party. 
But Evans running as an independent, and I've, I've supported him. Made made I didn't a, know that. Okay. Yeah, made a lot of Democrats mad because I am supporting him. Why he's their candidate? No, so they, I mean no. Actually, they're, he's not their candidate. They, um, I, I made the case that um, we should not have a Democratic candidate, and we should support Evan. But he's he's running as an independent, right, um, and looking for support don't... from Democrats, independents, and Republicans. And so there were there are a lot of Democrats who think you know. Um, we sh- out of purity, Evan's not liberal. He's actually pretty conservative. Um, he's he's not somebody that the party should support. And I think I just said I think I, I want to see somebody who's going to be freed from the party structure to do what's right for the people of Utah. Somebody who's independent of either party. And some of the critics of that have said if he's an independent in Washington, he's not going to get a committee assignment. And actually, I I think that's wrong. Is it wrong? Okay, because yeah. I really don't know. Yeah. Um, you know, either so you have the majority party mm-hmm. who, um, uh, you know, the committee structure is actually not written into the Constitution. So it's you commit, you can, yeah, you, it's it's practical. You've mm-hmm. got to divide up the work somehow, and so you have a committee focused on energy and one focused on finance and one focused on foreign affairs, and because you kind of have to divide up the work, and um, so the majority sets the committees, and that re- majority flips back and forth, mm-hmm. Republican and Democrat. Um, and then they will say, you know, okay, so let's say the majority is Republican and they own 55%, they have 55% control and the minority may be Democrat and they have 45% control. So they'll say each committee is going to be roughly 55-45, right? Mm -hmm. So you have an independent in there. Where does that independent fit in? Well, we have always, as a country, the majority parties, for as long as committees have existed, the majority party has always granted to the minority party their fair share of committee assignments. You don't deny a duly elected representative the opportunity to have a voice on committee um, just because they're in the minority. And I think the same would hold for an independent, right? So if Evan really? McMullen hypothetically is elected as an independent who was not, who was actually uh, sworn that he will not support and affiliate with Democrats or Republicans, but wants to maintain his status as a true independent, um, I think, you know, certainly he would have a committee assignment because he's a duly elected representative. They're not going to deny him. I would dare them to deny a duly elected senator a committee seat just because Has they it have... happened before? I mean, I know yeah. we have mm-hmm. other independents. Yep, yeah, yeah. And they've, they've and, been and granted committee assignments. Yeah. Have they? Okay. Yeah. So are they able to be effective? I think so. Yeah. Are, I mean, if, they, if you okay. look at some of the most effective representatives, what I think, where not, I think. Not just loud, but I mean effective. Yeah. Well, there's a difference, right? There so is. I think the loud ones are oftentimes the least effective. <laughs> if you look on the Democratic side, you've got Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, very, very mm-hmm. loud. Mm-hmm. A lot of her bills don't pass. Not even, they won't even get majority Democratic votes, right? And you've got people on the far right who are the same way, that they're loud and and they're they're not really effective. So the people who you see screaming from cable news or whatever are oftentimes some of the least effective people there in Washington. The ones the ones who are the most effective are the ones who are willing to work with both sides and especially as closely as divided as we are as a country right now with the Senate being, you know, mm-hmm. basically split, split e- uh-huh. equally between Republicans and Democrats. Those who are in the middle and are willing to like sit down and hammer out compromise and find solutions and willing to vote, you know, cross the aisle and vote with the other side and work with the other side, those are the ones who get things done. If you look at like Senator Romney, um, we, you know, we have need as a country need to invest in our transportation infrastructure, our mm-hmm. roads and bridges are, are you look drive around potholes in that. Yeah. And I think Utah actually does a better job than most states. But um we are a state that's growing so fast. And so you think about the traffic that you get stuck in and and we just we need to invest in our our transportation infrastructure. Um uh, and the problem has always been that you've had a Republican president and a Democratic Senate or vice versa, so a Democratic se- president against. now and a Republican. And it, nobody wants to let the other party get control. Uh-huh. The, no one wants uh, to give credit. Exactly. And as a country, I think we need to stop thinking about who gets the credit and think about that. what's right for right, mm-hmm. what's right for the country. And, and to his credit, I think that's what Senator Romney did. He sat down on the transportation bill and said, look, I think the bill that President Biden's proposing is way too expensive. And I actually agree with Senator Romney on that. But he said, what, you know, let's put some spending limits on it. Let's focus it, do some things. And they came up with a bill that wasn't what President Biden wanted, but was what uh, Mitt Romney could support. 
And that bill passed, and we're going to have some some resources to invest in roads and bridges here in Utah and across the country. Well, you used an example of Senator Romney, and I think he's a great example. He's somebody who has a lot of clout, mm-hmm. a great reputation. With you know, he's, he knows everybody; everyone knows him. He's got a lot of influence and power. So he represents Utah, and maybe some of the Utahns don't agree with what he does, right. and and that's fine. That's how it works. But sending someone new like Evan McMullen, and I yeah. don't know him personally. Yeah. I'm sure he's great. Yeah. But some, sending someone new right now with everything in turmoil, with us heading into a recession, I don't know if, why nobody will just declare it, but heading yeah. into a recession um, seems like a really dangerous time, I guess, in my mind, to send someone who doesn't have the reputation established, the relationships established, the clout, the the influence. And so that it makes me yeah. nervous thinking about doing that because we've got so many critical decisions well, I would so I would say look that? at look at what people are doing with the relationships they have. So I talked about the example of Senator Romney who mm-hmm. who got a transportation bill passed, who is doing some really important things at the national level, and it's because he's willing. Look, he has principles, and he'll stand his ground, and he's a conservative, mm-hmm. but he's willing to sit down with people on the other side and try to find common ground because what's most important is moving the United States of America forward, not the Republican Party or the Democratic Party. And you look at, so I think I would say it's important to have relationships. It's important to be established. But what are people, what are our elected officials doing with the clout that they have? And some representatives are really good about blaming the other side. And, uh, and you look at, you see it on, yeah. on both parties, mm-hmm. right? So somebody who's going to vote against every bill that's proposed if it comes from the other side, no matter what. And, uh, you know, I, um, I want to, not get too political, but um, Senator Lee, if there's if there's a hundred, you know, ninety nine votes in support of a legislation, and there's one who's voting no. It's Senator Lee who's voted no, and uh, you know, I think um, just to make it more general and and not get too focused on this race, but somebody is, you know, some politicians get really good at at pointing a finger and blaming the other side and saying they're to blame, this mess that is caused. Um, is is their fault. And look, we do have, we are in a recession. We do have, people are suffering because of inflation. Every day. President Biden has not managed the economy well. Let's just say it again, mm-hmm, clearly. It's true. But so I want to, but I want, and, and so, but President Biden's not running for office in Utah, right? So what I want to know is, okay, so we know that the mistakes have been made. Mm-hmm. Uh, we haven't had, he hasn't been quite the leader that we need at this time. Um, he's, he's done some good things. He's tried, but, but I think he's also uh, hasn't, hasn't been up to the challenge, to be clear. Um, but let's say, um, you know, if, if, our, if elected officials are just really good at pointing a finger of blame, Okay, like what's that going to do to solve the recession, to solve inflation? I want to see somebody, rather than being really good at blaming blaming the other party, what what are your ideas to fix it? What are you doing to come to the table to provide solutions instead of just, you know, sending out a tweet or getting on your soapbox and ranting about why somebody else is to blame? Use the oxygen in your lungs to tell me what you're going to do to solve the problem. And so I would, again, come back to what are our elected officials doing to solve the problem? Are they using their relationships and the clout and the experience they have to move our country forward to solve our problems? Or are they just really good at pointing fingers and casting blame? And and I, I think that's fair. That's definitely fair to, to, to note and to talk about. I guess s- still from my perspective, and you know, I'm new to politics, yeah. um, but I've followed it, is just I just don't know how it serves us as a state, being a conservative state with a conservative agenda and um, going forward with someone who doesn't have a reputation necessarily in, 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 in you know, Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. And even though they might have great ideas, I mean, it's, it's kind of frustrating when people run sometimes for city council or locally. You know, they've got great ideas, of course. And then us that have been sitting there, we do have a voting record. Mm-hmm. And we've had to actually had good ideas, have good ideas, but also vote and make decisions. Yeah. And so I think it's, it's easy to have great ideas. But if you don't have the relationships in place to have those conversations, like you said, as mayor, you get the opportunity to bring people to the table because they listen. Yeah. You're the mayor. They're going to come because right. you've invited them. So I guess I just, that's my only... Yeah. Real um, worry yeah. is that we give up that 
at a really critical time. Yeah. And I guess, I mean, I think that's the, again, that's the, that's what people need to weigh in their mind. I'm of the perspective that I actually don't think we're giving up much because I don't think, um, I don't think (laughs) that, no, it hasn't been effective. We haven't gotten anything for that. And, uh, you know, again, as a as a former member of Congress, I have seen up close and personal. Right, it have. is completely broken, and it is and 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 doubling down on what's been broken, Republican and Democrat mm-hmm. for for years. It's just broken, so, and it's time to do something bold and to mix it up and to try something new. And that's why I think, like, again, I I have an independent streak myself, but I think sending an independent who's willing to just who's only account, not accountable to party bosses, but accountable to the people of Utah, I think we can afford to, again, what's, what we have right now isn't working. Okay. I think we can afford to try something new. So, okay, talking about being an independent, yeah. you are a Democrat. Yes. Right? Yeah. Is that going to change? Um, I, well, I, I would say I increasingly feel out of place in the Democratic Party. Okay, um, that's fair. But I, I don't feel at home in the party of Trump either. So um, I do feel, I guess, to some extent, politically homeless. Um, it's a common feeling. Yeah. I know. And I always encourage people. people, you know, maybe this is my local government roots, because when you ran for mayor, you didn't run as a Republican or a Democrat. I know you're right. a conservative, but it's more about just doing the job of being mayor. Yeah. So maybe that's, that's where my kind of independent street comes from, too, is potholes aren't Republican or Democrat. Right. They just it, need to be fixed. Solutions. Yeah, mm-hmm. you just need solutions. And it doesn't. there's not a Republican way to fill a pothole or a Democratic way to fill a pothole. So I think um, for now, you know, I'm not running for office anytime soon. So I don't know. I, d- I do feel kind of home, politically homeless, but uh, I, I think we should always just support good people. And um, and and I I vote for Republicans and I vote for Democrats every every cycle and I'll probably continue to do that and um, I, but I was always I would encourage always encourage people when they came up to me and said I'm not sure if I'm a Republican or a Democrat and I would say great don't pick there's no reason if unless you, sometimes if you're running for office you kind of have to pick but if you're not running for office don't pick say because I think there are good ideas in both parties there are bad ideas in both parties. Look at the person. Look at what the ideas they're putting forward and vote for that person. Um, and that person might be a Republican. They might be a Democrat. But I don't think people need to be forced to pick, right? Be forced to pick. But it, but when we're talking about Congress, yeah, it does make a difference, right? I mean, like you said, a, you know, a House or a Senate equally split almost. Yeah. It makes a difference in what can actually get done. And it shouldn't. It should. And I, I agree. They should yeah. be able to come to the table and say, okay, this is what's best for the country. It might be a democratic, you know, idea or let's, let's do what's best. Yeah. And I, I guess that just will it's broken. You said it is broken. Is there a way to I fix think that? it is broken. I think people need to stop thinking party first, okay. you know, and stop voting against legislation because it came from the other party. Start looking at the ideas, listening mm-hmm. to the ideas on their merits and, um, and, and working together. Right. I, I mean, I think it did work. I was a Democrat in the Utah state legislature. Right. And. That legislature is 80% Republican, 20% Democrat. I would pass 15 to 20 bills every legislative really? session. That's great. Yeah, I would get stuff done as a member of the other party, but it's because I had good relationships with the Republicans. I And I actually felt that their input on my legislation was constructive. So they would say, look, I hate your bill because of da-da-da-da-da. I would take notes mm-hmm. and I would go back and I would say, oh, my goodness, they're right. My bill does do that. Now, that's not what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to do A, but I might be unintentionally also doing B. And thank goodness I talked to Senator so-and-so because they can see what that. And so I'll go back and I'll fix it. And I'll, then I'll go back to Senator so-and-so and say, look, I made these changes to try and address your concern. Does that make you more comfortable? Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm supportive of the bill now. Right. So mm, okay. that's what's not happening in Washington right now really? is Republicans and Democrats. I, I guess Mitt Romney does it on the transportation bill. He's done it on other bills. But by and large, people don't just sit down and talk and say, help me understand why you dislike my bill and let me try to improve it to get you on board. That's that's why democracies work. Mm-hmm. It's what's not working in Washington. But it's why I think city councils work so well. And I think um, our legislature is is more partisan, but our, our legislature, by and large, works well. Republicans and Democrats in the Utah State Legislature talk to each other. They work with each other, and um, and they can get stuff done. You know, you were talking about um, just well, I guess maybe alluding to the fact that when you get to Congress, they're not really accommodating. They're not open. When I became a new mayor here, yeah, in uh, Davis County, it was fantastic. We did have several other new mayors as well, but everybody has just you know, put their arms around me and, and been so accommodating and so willing to share ideas and so willing to, 
you know, create relationships. Yeah. And it's been great. I, I'm guessing it doesn't happen like that when you get to DC. Yeah. I think, again, that's at the heart of what's broken. That's too bad. When I, when I, my first office that I ran for was the Utah State Senate and I got elected. That was your first office? Yeah. And then I went from there to Salt Lake County mayor. Gosh. But um, when I got elected to the state Senate, I had a Republican senator pull me aside and say, hey, I'd, I'd love to be a resource to you as you figure out how committees work and parliamentary procedure and all these kind of wonky things that, that you only understand once you're kind of in there living mm-hmm. and breathing. It. He actually gave me a bill. He said, this is a bill. I think it was called technical amendments. <laughs> so they took like some complicated area of the code that had commas in the wrong place or needed to be renumbered because they had added a paragraph. So they needed to renumber and they'd gotten that wrong. So technical amendments was a bill that had a hundred percent chance of passing (laughs) and he gave it to me and it was my baby. I loved technical amendments, you know, and it was my baby. And he like put his arm around me, helped me figure out how to do it, how to work it through the committee and, and all that. And that bill passed. And, you know, that was coming from a Republican who there were times that we'd be arguing against each other, but it didn't stop him from like showing me the ropes and how to, how to, um, navigate through the legislative process. I wish we had more of that in Washington. I wish we did too. When you got there, was it just sort of a free for all? I, I mean, I, I mean, you have your staff who are probably yeah. experienced because they were former staff for somebody else. Yeah. So they were probably there to support and walk you through. But you just show up and. Yeah, I actually, I joined an organization, a caucus in the in the House called the Problem Solvers Caucus. So this was one, you know, Congress is a big place, 435 mm-hmm. representatives. But this was an organization that in order to join, you had to find a Republican who could join with you. A Democrat and Republican had to, they called it Noah's Ark style, okay. right? Two by two. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Problem Solvers was a group of, I think when I was there, we had 22 Democrats and 22 Republicans. We met once a week for lunch. We talked about legislation. Mm. We, um, outside of that, we would get together for social activities. We had a Thanksgiving, you know, uh, dinner together or a Christmas dinner together. We'd get together to just get to know each other. And we would, we'd talk about legislation. And there were times that we would put our foot down. So the, the house was pretty closely divided too at the time, still is. Um, and so if you had 44 votes, you could stop legislation. And mm-hmm. there were times when we'd find issues that we disagreed, that we agreed on, that we would come together and say, we're not going to vote for this bill unless they make this change or that change. Or, okay. you know, we want to see this thing happen. And so I think it, those are the roots of maybe fixing it as, as groups like that, that I belong to. John Curtis and Blake Moore belong to the problem solvers, mm-hmm. our, our other representatives mm-hmm. from Utah. Um, and, you know, and so they're building those relationships there's going to be a lot to disagree on, but they're building those relationships and sitting down trying to fix it. And so That's I think good. there are some sprouts, some little seeds that have been planted to try and fix it. Um, and I hope we really can. I I hope we can too. I mean, yeah. I don't know what will happen. So you've talked about serving at different levels. What's been your favorite? Has it been local? It has been local government okay. for sure. Uh, to your point, like somebody can come to me and say, here's a problem. I go to my council members, Republicans and Democrats. What are we going to do about this? We find an approach and we get it done. Right. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's weeks later, a month later that we fix this problem. And it's just, you're so able to react. People check their party affiliation at the door and just come to say, we're, you know, we're community members first. We want to solve problems. And, um, and I I just feel like you're able to get a lot done in local government and, uh, without the, like hanging over your heads, this toxicity of partisanship. Yeah, I agree. It is nice. It's, I mean, I think that's always kind of an underlying current. Yeah. You know, in a community that you represent, people do ask. When yeah. I was campaigning, I was asked about the Second Amendment and um, whether or not I thought the election was stolen. Yeah. Those were the two hot questions. Two things that you have nothing to, no impact right, on, no, no impact matter what. On, but people wanted to know. And yeah. uh, that's really all they asked me. Yeah. It it really had nothing to do with Kaysville or local government, but yeah. um, but it's been a great place to start and well to serve. I mean, I love being here. I was going to ask you. So you've you've done local, you've done county, you've done you've been in Congress. Yeah. Are you planning? I mean, do you see yourself running ever again? I, I'll say this. I Where love, would you go from there? I yeah, guess? I don't know. I love public service. Um, it's in your blood. Probably. It is. It it is. Um, I love to give back. I love the place we live. We are lucky to live here in Utah. Really Such are, a beautiful place. Um, amazing people who are so always so positive and hardworking and friendly. Um, so, and I, you know, I think that where much is given, much is expected. So I, I feel blessed to live in this place. And I think that puts a responsibility on, on all of us to give back in a way that we 
where we can use our talents mm-hmm. to give back. Um, so I would love to find myself in public service, maybe at some point in the future. We do have young kids. So I've decided for now, I'm going to enjoy being on the sidelines. So um, smart. Yeah, we have... Um, 16-year-old twins and a 14-year-old and a 11-year-old. Oh, you're so, right in the... Yeah, so it's right actually the, one of the blessings of losing an election mm-hmm. is I get to stay home and spend more time with my really kids great. and You'll go to their sporting. you never get that time back. Exactly. So. Yeah, so I'm, I'm loving right now where I am. That's good. Um, and being on the sidelines and, and supporting other people who are doing amazing work and just trying to help them be successful. So you said you're supporting Evan McMullen. Are you supporting from a campaign strategy? I mean, how are you supporting him? Just yeah, he and I have become friends okay. over the years. Um, I think he's an amazing leader, really intelligent, really hardworking. And I just think he's authentic. He's he's genuine. He loves our country. You know, he, he put his life on the line serving mm-hmm. our country and, and protecting us from terrorists. And so he's somebody who I've come to respect and admire. I think he's, he has the character that we need in Washington. So I'm, um, yeah, I'm not like paid in any capacity. I'm just kind of volunteering, but helping to, yeah, and... yeah, giving some my thoughts to the extent that he cares. <laughs> he at least he pretends to care. Well, but, I'm sure. Um, I mean, you've done it, so it's yeah, great. yeah. But just talking to people about you know somebody who knows him personally, um, why I think he would be an amazing leader for our country. I think it's really brave of people to endorse people. Yeah. And I didn't realize what a big deal that was um, before. But when I was running for council, you know, it's it's a local election, so you get your friends and neighbors yeah. on board and stuff, and it's great. But then when I was running for mayor, it was a bigger decision because, you know, you're running against someone else that also lives here, and people are sort of writing that, going, I don't want to tick you it's off, hard. I don't want to tick them off. And, and people have told me, don't endorse people, be really careful. But I, I kind of feel like it's an opportunity for me to uh, have a platform, sort of, to yeah. represent people and to really be honest. And so I've just said, well, if, if I really do believe in somebody, yeah, I think it's okay to do it. Maybe it's suicide. I don't I know. know. I don't it's know. always hard. I feel like but, I always hurt somebody's feelings when I endorse. Or, But, mm-hmm. you know, I think, um, and I'm not sure how much the voters actually care. Yeah, I right? don't really know yeah. either. Because sometimes but, they're like, that's great that Mayor Tran likes this person, but yeah. why should I like him? You know? Exactly. So why I think do, a lot of the care? candidate has to do the job of mm-hmm. getting their message out there and saying what they stand for and that. But, yeah. As, as you've been um, in a public servant, though, what did you do about endorsements when people would ask you? Would it just depend on the person? I will always. So I, I have this vicious cycle of endorsing, feeling bad because I usually know people on both sides mm-hmm. saying I'll never endorse again. And then the next cycle rolls around and I endorse and then I feel bad and I'll say I'll never endorse again. <laughs> right. So my advice um, would be to, to not endorse. But um I, I, I'm not very good at following my own advice, but... It, it's a tricky thing, isn't it? Yeah. It's a tricky thing because, yeah, I've, I've heard both both sides where people just say, I really won't. But then I think, well, if I really believe in you, yeah. I should be authentic. Yeah. You know, and, and I think you do a good job. Yeah. It, it's, I don't know. I think it's good to just be open about where you stand. Yeah. But yeah. anyway. Yeah. I mean, there are some where, you know, what the endorsements that I think you try to stay away from, and these, they're probably the hardest ones to stay away from, is... I just am friends with somebody, mm-hmm. right? And I don't, being my friend doesn't make somebody right. a qualified public servant, right? right? I agree, um, for sure. So, and that's like, hard because that's where they really want you to I know, help right? Them. And you feel the compelled to do it. Mm-hmm. And the other person might be just as good. Mm-hmm. And, or better. <laughs> or better sometimes, right? Um, I, like in, in yeah. this case with Evan McMullen, I do feel very strongly about it. I, it's, he's somebody I respect and admire. So I, I, I'm not regretting that one at all. That's good. Um, even though I made... Democrats and Republicans mad. I think it, to your point, is something that I felt strongly about, and uh, and felt that you know was the right thing for me to do to endorse him. But yeah, I think um, it's hard. You're right. Well, I was going to ask you about the Democrats not endorsing anyone, yeah, or not having a candidate. Does that mean that they're because I have you know there's all kinds of information out there. Yeah. Does that mean they've given up on their party? No, I think not at all. I think um, you know they uh, had a candidate. Yeah, right? they did have and, a candidate. And, um. Democrats, again, you're talking to somebody who, who is independent. That. Yeah, so I, I clearly, clearly have an opinion. And, and also, I'm pretty moderate, right? So I don't, I'm not a, a liberal Democrat. I, I always felt a little, a lot uncomfortable in Washington with others in the Democratic Party. Um, I just didn't feel comfortable in the party of Trump either, right? So I believe in markets and I believe in capitalism and I believe in, you know, a lot of a lot of things that are low taxes and small government are things that are important to me. Um, but um, I, I, Democrats haven't won 
a seat in Utah in my lifetime, a U.S. Senate seat mm-hmm. in my lifetime. I'm 47 years old and they haven't won. Mm-hmm. And so some people say, oh, we're giving my up before the race even starts. And I say, look, we actually aren't going to, like the reality is we weren't going to win the U.S. Senate race, right? <laughs> so it's not giving anything it's, up. It's actually, okay. I think it's, we our boi- voice became relevant for the first time in my lifetime mm-hmm. in a U.S. Senate That's race. That's an interesting and way to look at Evan's, it. Evan's not a liberal. Evan's not a Democrat, you know, but he's somebody who I think will listen. He will put Utah first instead of party first. And I think those things matter. And it, you know, but I'm I'm somebody who believes in compromise, and I believe that you can't let perfect be the enemy of good, and you've got to be willing to meet in the middle, even if even if it's a legislation or a candidate right, who isn't 100 percent pure. You mm-hmm. have to negotiate, and so for me, that's what this was. Is Evan, I think, is a person of high character who I respect, um, and I felt that like if there were a Democrat in the race, you'd split the vote too many ways, and you know, and and we would lose, like we've done for the last. 50, 60 years. And so I think for the first time we have, for the, actually first, for the first time in decades, we have a competitive U.S. Senate race that um, voters are actually going to have a choice that they're, mm. um, that's unique, right? And I think people are going to have to look at the candidates and look at their positions. And um, you don't get that when people just win on autopilot. I think competitive elections are important. I, I think they are too. Um, and, and I know that he is speaking to well, you know, my, my kids' age group, people in the early 20s, too, mm-hmm. who don't necessarily understand politics, really, and really care, yeah. con- honestly. But they want, it, they want someone who's unique, who's yeah. different, who's going to yeah. step outside of the boxes. Yeah. And, and they kind of vote for that ideology um, of what that could represent rather than policies. Yeah. And so it'll, it'll be interesting to see. I, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I can see I can see where you, your point, but I also think that a Utah Democrat is probably not an actual true Democrat in in right. in DC. Yeah, there's a huge you know. Yeah, I, I huge gap. Like, I, I think I, between... they would they'll study your votes and rank them in that right. Yeah. And I was ranked as the Democrat, like most likely to vote with the other side. There are Republican. Republicans <laughs> who are certainly more liberal than mm-hmm. I was, but yeah, I think Utah Democrats are unique. Um, but I'm also okay with throwing a wrench in the machinery of the two-party system. You, honestly, yeah, yeah. I think it's, I just think up. it's broken. At, at least at the at the national level, it's completely broken. And so, what have we got to lose? You know, nothing's happening in D.C. right yeah. now. Let's let's try something new. I think I, I, I agree to to a point, but then I look at the Supreme Court, and I I like what's happening there. Mm-hmm. And we had the opportunity as Republicans to seat three Supreme Court justices and mm-hmm. it's made a huge difference yeah. and it will for generations. And so yeah. I guess when I, when I look at everything that could potentially be broken or fixed, I think, well, maybe it's not completely broken. Yeah. And, and, it, and, and that's why I go back to the idea that a two-party system, even though it has its flaws, has a lot of merit as well. Yeah. But, we, just, we just can't have, um, we can't rely on the courts to solve all of our problems. Well, we can't. Right? And that's so true. Not everything. The will legislative go the branch court. is broken, and um, you know, like the court or not, we like the court can't be the source of all laws in the country, whether they're conservative well, rulings or liberal true. rulings. I'm just saying, as an yeah. example of of a re, you know Republican sure, president. That, I mean, that's an outcome that a lot of people yeah. were happy with um, um, being able to have some yeah. influence there. And and you know, and now that's happened, and mm-hmm. that's in the past. I think you know it. It's time to turn our attention and focus on actually getting Washington broken, getting Washington fixed again, right? So I would walk around the halls of Congress or watch. I don't know if if you had a chance to go to Washington D.C. Such Mm -hmm. a beautiful city, and you look and you see these monuments to incredible things that our country has done. You go to the Air and Space Museum Mm -hmm. and you see that we've put man on the moon. We invented an airplane. We've got these monuments to like abolishing slavery and all these incredible things that we as a country have done. Mm-hmm. And I would always look around and see these inspiring monuments and then feel how shallow the city today is not living up to the greatness of those monuments. So our country is not living up to the greatness of our past. It is time to, um, I think, when we've been a country for all of our existence that compromises, that we have tough issues, we work through our tough issues, and we come through on the other side better than we were before. And I just don't think that's happening right now. And it's sad to me because I, especially as you walk that city and are reminded of the greatness of our past and think, is that, is that only our past or is it our future? Are we going to get back to a place where 
you know, Ronald Reagan and Speaker Tip O'Neill, Republican and Democrat, mm-hmm. sit down and talk things out, or Orrin Hatch and Ted Kennedy. Fantastic. Go to battle examples. and then sit down and find, is that is that a relic of our past or can it be part of our future again? What do you think it will take in order for this to, well, to happen? I, I, is it going to take a, a big calamity and we're going to have to come together and be humbled? And I mean, we saw calamity with COVID and it drove us apart, right? Well, so I think, I, mean, I, I think, I do think electing an independent will be a, a bucket of cold water on both the Republican and Democratic parties' heads. When independent. When independent. In, in the, no, I think in, it sends a signal that um, people, because right now you've got Democrats and Republicans both going to the extremes, mm-hmm. and uh, and it's a rich place for them to be because they're rewarded for it. And I think we need to say, look, you are not, you can't be as comfortable in the far right and far left because because there's a path to hold you accountable. and uh, and. I think this independent path, I, I think if, if Evan even comes close, I think it's going to be a wake-up call for extremist politicians, Republican and Democrats across, across the country. Well, and are there, I'm sure other states have independents running, right? It's not just Utah. I mean, I haven't yeah. followed other states politically, really. I mean, you have some independents but, who serve in Congress. And, and there are but some now. They, but, they affiliate, right? So you okay. have... Um, uh, so they're not truly independent. Right. They'll okay. be an independent caucusing with the Democrats or an right. independent caucusing with the Republicans. So Evan will be the only true independent not mm-hmm. caucusing with any party. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I, I, I understand where you're, where you're going with that as yeah. far as it, it's sending a message. It's yeah. a wake-up call. I understand that. Yeah. I, I don't know. I just think, gosh, right now is such yeah. a scary time. Well, the Senate is probably going to be, gonna be, no matter who takes control of the Senate, it's going to be razor thin margins, right? And I'd love to have a, a Utah Senator there who is, um, who both sides are competing to get their vote and somebody who's going to say, well, okay, look, I'm going to look at this legislation on whether it's good for the country and whether it's good for Utah. Mm-hmm. And that's better than saying, you know, if it's a Republican bill, I will vote for it. And if it's a Democratic bill, I will vote against. You kind of get taken for granted at that point. Um, I'd love to have a, a senator. That senator, if that senator is willing to vote for a bill based on the ideas that are contained in that bill and whether they're good for our state, that senator will be one of the most powerful senators in Washington. So Evan hasn't served, right? He hasn't served. He um, was policy so advisor it's for. Hard to know. He's he's yeah. He's never been in elected he's, office. Right. He's never. A lot of people in Washington have never haven't? been in elected okay. office. Yeah. But from Utah, most of them have. Don't they mostly serve? Um, Blake at some level? Blake Moore had well, never served. Okay, right. Mike Lee had never served he before. Okay. He hadn't been in political in office before. Um, yeah. Well, I think, Rob came from Layton City, so right? Didn't he? Yeah. Serve um, Rob was local, in the state legislature. Yeah. He was speaker. State, right. Okay. Um, but Blake, um, Blake Chris Stewart had never run for new. office before. So I would say a majority really? of our delegation never held office okay, before running. I didn't realize that. I running. thought that most of them yeah. had at least served at the state level. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Gosh, that'll be interesting to see what happens. Yeah. It's fun to watch. Yeah. I really like politics. I don't consider myself a politician at this level. Good. You, you're not. Be, yeah. Because you're, you're I, a problem solver. Right. We're, right. I'm a public yeah. servant and it's yeah. fun, but it's fun to watch the politicians. Yeah. And to watch politics. Yeah. You've been great. Thank you. This has been a really great conversation. Well, it's a fun conversation. I almost forgot there was a microphone here, so (laughs) thank you. I did too. It's been great. Thank you. Yeah. Appreciate it.